Pastor Ed Ray on what to ask God as you're repenting of sin. No matter how many tears and how sincere you are, God, I never want to do this again. Don't say that. For years I said that, and Holy Spirit stopped me one day with these words. Yes, you do. You want to do that. You're going to do it again. Oh, Lord, change my heart. Ah, now that's a prayer. Change me so I don't want to do that particular thing. Go and do not continue your life of sin. Zion, I build with hands, and in this place, God, I dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I say, let this world know me by your We're delighted to be with you today, and welcome to Grow in Grace. Pastor Ed Ray is leading us through John, one verse at a time. And today, Jesus is confronted by the religious leaders of his day. They're about to lay down a clever trap. And really, they think they have Jesus in a corner in their attempt to accuse him of wrongdoing. But Christ turns the tables in grand fashion and really provides a beautiful lesson on forgiveness and repentance at the same time. Let's find our place in John chapter 8. Never a good idea to play checkers with God. So the problem is that they had forgotten we're all sinners. What? Everyone is a sinner. Psalm 53 Verse 2, God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there is any who will understand who seek God. Every one of them has turned aside. They have altogether become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Well, pastor, you're insulting me. I'm a good person, liar. Psalm 130, verse 3. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, write them down, sins. O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you. Ecclesiastes 7.20 For there's not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Wow. Isaiah 53, verse 6 We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to their own way. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Well, Pastor, there, there may be some sinners, but, but I'm a saint. Please. What I'm saying is that every person in this room is guilty of sin. Every person outside of this room is guilty of sin. And that includes the guy that's talking. Now, a man came up to me last night. I've been going to church all my life. I've never heard a pastor say that he sinned. That's what you said, right? Yeah, that's what I said. I'm not excusing it. It's not what God wants. But I'm a sinner just like you're a sinner. And every one of us are guilty of sin. But the good news is God has forgiveness. There are sinners who are forgiven and there are sinners who are not. That's the only two categories on earth, okay? Either you've discovered 
the grace of God, the mercy of God, and you've asked him to forgive your sins and you're clean, or you're arrogantly refusing to surrender to him, which, by the way, I did for the first 26 years of my life. So what do we do with sin? First John, the first letter of John, not the gospel that we're looking at, his first letter, verse 9, if we confess our sins, confess, what's that mean? Con, to initiate, fess is to speak something, to say the same thing God says. If I say, Lord, I sinned when I did that, he says, yes, you did, Ed. You have confessed. If we're faithful to confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That sounds too easy. Well, it wasn't easy for him. He had to die on a cross for me. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation, no death penalty to those who are in Christ Jesus, to those who have said, Jesus, forgive my sins. Condemnation means a damnatory sentence to death. There isn't any of that for anyone who confesses their sin. We're all sinners, check. We've all failed, yes, check. Jesus has died on a cross for sinners, check. What are you going to do about it? Your own sin. That's all that's going on here. But eternity hangs in the balance. Verse 6, they had said this, that what do you say? That they might have something of which to accuse him, Jesus. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his fingers as though he did not hear. Now, to write in the Greek language is the word graphen. To write against something is katagraphen. This is katagraphen. You write down a record against someone. We don't know what Jesus wrote. It, it doesn't say. But since I have the microphone, let me guess. I think he wrote down the charges against the Pharisees and the scribes that were bringing accusations. You see, they're just like us. They were all guilty of sin too. And so I think he started because we'll see in the next couple of verses, with the oldest rabbi there, let's say his name was Simeon, and he wrote in the dust of the stones on the Temple Mount, Simeon, April 7th, with Marguerite. And Simeon looks over his shoulder and goes, I just remembered, I had a dentist appointment. And he left. That's what's going to happen here. That's what I think is going on here. He's writing against, verse 7. So they continued to ask him, and he's writing. He, rise, he raised himself up, excuse me, and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Now, that's exactly what Deuteronomy 13 says in the law. That if there are two witnesses who see someone and they're bringing an accusation... The witnesses who saw it happen have to be the first person to start capital punishment, to throw the stone at her. And so the two that identified themselves as the witnesses have a stone in their hand. They're standing there. 
and they're ready to throw and Jesus puts it on them and says, if you don't have any sin, go ahead. Now they knew the same thing that, of scripture that I read to you. Everybody has sinned. And so he stoops down and he starts writing again. He continues, Captographian, he's writing against them. Verse 9. Then those who heard him say, No sin? Go ahead, toss a stone. Being convicted by their conscience. Conscience? Yeah, we all have one. We got one when we were born. And it came clean, it came very powerful. But it's possible to sear your conscience. I did my own for the first 26 years of my life. Well, some would argue, anthropologists, many of them have said, well, there's no conscience. I was in a lecture years ago with then world-renowned anthropologist Margaret Mead. And some, one of the students, claiming to be wise, stood up and said, well, cannibals don't have any conscience. And she said, well, young man, you're wrong. We've worked with cannibals in Erangira, and it turns out that it takes them a long time to push down their consciences, to sear their consciences of people that they've killed and eaten. I don't think anybody here is in danger of doing that. But even a cannibal has a conscience. These men still had their conscience. That's what it says. They were convicted by their own conscience. I can't throw a stone. And they went out one by one. In what order? Beginning with the oldest, even to the last. Why the oldest? <laughs> the longer I live, the clearer that little statement becomes to me. The more time you have to sin, the more sins that you collect in your life. The Apostle Paul, well, Paul, he surely is in great shape. Well, the Apostle Paul, he writes his first letter to the Corinthians, the church at Corinth. And in that letter, Paul says, I am the least of the apostles. And I think, well, that, that sounds pretty humble. I mean, there were 12 apostles, and Judas betrayed Jesus, so then there was another one, and Paul's 13, some would say 14. So he's saying he's the least important. Sounds pretty good. 20 years later, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and to the Ephesians, Paul said, I am a sinner. Now, Tracing the Apostle Paul, you can see Christian growth. You see, Paul has moved from the least of the apostles to just a normal sinner like me, like you. 17 or 18 years later, the Apostle Paul is in prison, in the Mamertine prison in Rome, and he's going to die. And he writes a letter to Timothy, his young protege, his young disciple. And 1 Timothy, Paul writes, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the chief. The apostle Paul said, I'm the worst sinner on the planet. 
Now, he did not mean that he was hanging out in the biker bars in Rome. My apologies to you if you're a biker. Not talking about outward obvious sin, it's all inside and up here. And the longer he lived, the longer the list was of sins. And again, I'm not making light of sin, it's wrong. But Paul said, He's the chief sinners. Well, Paul's dead now. And so I get that position. Unless you want to arm wrestle me for it. And I'm pretty easy to take now. I got titanium in my arms and not really very strong anymore. But I'm working on it. So from the oldest to the last. You're listening to Grow in Grace. And Pastor Ed Ray is in John chapter 8. Let's get right back to it. And when Jesus raised himself up, verse 10, and saw no one but this woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She looks around, and she doesn't see any of them. They're all gone. And suddenly it hits her, she's not going to die that morning. That's how serious this is. So she speaks. She said, no one, Lord. Now, Scripture doesn't give us tone of voice. It doesn't give us volume. But I'll bet you she whispered it. No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. He's going to say that to you someday in heaven. Let me say that again. Scripture says, when you see him face to face, you will be like him. And you will know just as you are known. And his eyes will penetrate your soul. And he will say, I do not condemn you. Welcome good and faithful servant. Because you're such a wonderful person? <laughs> because he died for you and for me. And you're just smart enough to see a good deal and grab onto it and let him change you. Has no one condemned you? No one sentenced you to death? No, Lord. Neither do I. It says, go and sin no more, but a better translation is no longer lead a life of sin. And that's important. Why? Because she's going to sin again. What? You will too. No matter how many tears and how sincere you are, God, I never want to do this again. Don't say that. For years I said that. And Holy Spirit stopped me one day with these words. Yes, you do. You want to do that. You're going to do it again. Oh, Lord, change my heart. Ah, now that's a prayer. Change me so I don't want to do that particular thing. Go and do not continue your life of sin. Jesus doesn't remember our sins. What? God has divine amnesia. He chooses to forget our sins. Really? John 5, 24. Surely I say to you, Jesus speaking, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, 
Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, not the north to the south, that's 8,000 miles. We know that distance. But as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions, our sins from us. Micah 7:18. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity, sin, and passing over transgression, sins. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us. There's that word. Feel the same thing that we are and will subdue our sins and will cast our sins into the depths of the sea and will remember them no more. Are you hanging on to your past sins? I, I got an email from a a woman, I don't know her age, out of state, we're on the radio in other states, and, and she said, I've done the unpardonable sin. So I wrote back, I said, well, why do you think it's unpardonable? She said, because it was so horrendous. No, the only unpardonable sin is not believing Jesus will forgive your sins. The cross was sufficient for every and any sin. It's power to remove sin from lives. Last verse. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Now that's a sweeping statement. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. You surrender your life to God, you won't be in the dark any longer, but you'll have the light of life. What's he talking about? You'll understand. You begin to understand life, light. This whole world is dependent upon light. Now, I'm going to use a physical example. Look, at there's a beautiful day out there, absolutely stunning. So light is coming down, sunlight's photon leaves the sun, eight minutes, that's how long it takes for a photon, and it hits on a little chloral pass in a leaf, and it sets off the Krebs cycle, and we won't bore you with the biochemistry. That's food. You either eat salads or you eat animals that eat salad. That's how we survive. Well, I'm a vegetarian. Well, you better get those essential amino acids because your nose will fall off if you don't get them. But the sunshine is essential. It's absolutely essential for life. So if God would go stop the sun, eight minutes later it would be dark on the planet. 24 hours later this would be a giant spinning ice cube. There's no life without light. He is the source of light. And that's what he's saying. I am the light of the world. I'm the reason you're taking your next breath. <sighs> Someday you'll take your last breath. <sighs> and when you exhale, his face will be there, face to face with Jesus, the light of the world. This is the second I am statement we saw back in chapter 6. He said, I am the bread of life. I am soul food, food for your soul. But now he's saying, I am the very source of life. And it's eternal life he's talking about, to live for eternity. Now, we could spend a long time talking about light, but you'd be bored stiff. So, light, sun, has been worshipped by Society's cultures from the very beginning. The Incas in Peru 
and it was the sun god for them. And they believed any cloudy day they had to sacrifice humans to the sun god so he'd come back out. So the priest would get up in the morning, look out, it's a cloudy day. They said, well, we're going to be busy today. <laughs> got a lot of people we've got to chop their heads off from. Eskimos, they believed that the sun would march across the sky and then one of their relatives would put it in a boat and paddle to the other side to come up the next morning. Mana, the solar deity. Egyptians, they worshipped Ra. In fact, that's the reason God turned the sun off there in Egypt because he wanted to show them that he was stronger than their god, Ra, the sun god that looks like a falcon with a human head. So I am the light is just a recognition that the source of life, even cultures without science understood. Thanks for listening to Grow in Grace as we continue our journey through the New Testament. Today's message from Pastor Ed Ray is a part of our study in John's Gospel, and you can hear it again at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find all of our recently aired programs right there at thepackinghouse.org, as well as an archive of Pastor Ed's messages. We're also on YouTube, and that's a great way to live stream our services or watch recently delivered messages. Search for Packing House Christian Fellowship, and if you prefer to have a CD copy of today's message, just call toll-free 844-77-GRACE. Again, we're here to serve you at 844-77-GRACE. As we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we're looking to our listeners for help. Even a small donation can have a large impact by God's grace. And whatever comes in goes straight to the ministry. When you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount today, be sure to request our featured resource. It's a book called Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. This is a no-compromise call to biblical revival and spiritual excellence that we all need to hear. You'll see the great disparity between today's church and the Church of Acts. Again, we're making it available for a gift of any amount. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Here's Pastor Ed to close out today's message. Let me try and pull it all together. D.L. Moody was the first American evangelist to go around and do crusades and speak to large crowds of people, Civil War time. And he loved to tell the story of going to the Ohio State Prison, speaking to all the prisoners there, 1,100 prisoners. And when he finished his sermon, the chaplain got up and said, all these men are very attentive, Pastor, because they know that there's an announcement coming now of five men who are going to be pardoned. They're going to have absolute absolution from their criminal record. And it's been approved by the governor for good behavior. And so we're going to announce them. Moody said, well, that's great. I announced the first one. And so the warden came up and he said, said, the first man to be released is Reuben Johnson. And the crowd applauded. But nobody came up. He said, Reuben Johnson, you're a free man. Nobody moved. 
And finally he turned and said, are all the men here? To one of the ward's assistants, he said, yeah, everyone's here. He said, Reuben Johnson, you are a free man. Come up and get your pardon from the governor. Well, the chaplain knew Reuben, and he was sitting right over here. He said, Reuben, come up and get your pardon. You're the man. Reuben turned around and went, thought it was the guy behind him. Can't believe he's been in prison for 19 years. He's an old man. And, and he didn't get it. Three times. The third time, after the warden came down and walked right up to him, pointed to his chest, he went, really? And he started shaking. He came up and he, he took the paper and he went back to his seat and sat down. And he just trembled there. And he announced the other four guys. And then the warden said, all right, man, back in line. You're going back to your cells. Everybody gets up, including Reuben, and gets in line. He says, Reuben, Johnson, get back here. <laughs> he, looks, he said, you're a free man. Yeah, but I got to go back to my, my, my cell. You're going home. That's what God is saying to you. You're going home. You will spend eternity if you would surrender your life now. We'll come back to John chapter 8 tomorrow. Pastor Ed Ray is talking about light and freedom on the next edition of Grow in Grace, a daily presentation of the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me by your.